Welcome to episode 890 of I Am Talk, your weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Righty, team, welcome along to episode 890 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Pepper Jack. John's putting a blankie over himself. Bloody freezing in this household. <laughs> I haven't had any warm up this morning, no bike up here, no swim. It's a disastrous start today, although I had the reason I didn't swim is because I'm preparing today's show. Well, you normally do that beforehand because I get, I normally, what I, my, my morning is I teach two classes at the gym, so I get about 20 to 5. I learn my, my gym classes and then I look at the show notes, do my notes and all that for the show notes. Get there this morning, John. And then last week, what happened was the same thing. But he'd done the show notes in the wrong week, so I thought maybe he's done the wrong week. I looked ahead; he hasn't done it, mate. Throwing you, just messing with your mind. Oh, he's messing with my mind. I'm talking proudly brought to you by our cool patrons. Let's go with Gavin the Walkabout Wanderer, Sutton. Nathan the Mighty Mole Reagan, and we've got Ian cashing in. Banks, if you want to come Patreon, go to dub, 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 imtalk.me. Okay, in this week's show, we've got some news. We've got a super special night, and these super special? Yeah. Is it next week? It's this weekend coming. Really? Yeah. Jeez, I'm off the ball. Yeah. It's, Jeez, it's, it's coming out of nowhere, isn't it? Yeah, it is. I'm sure we're going to see a lot of stuff uh, popping up this week, but it is happening this weekend. Oh, wow, okay, there we go. We've got um, a hot topic of the week, an interview. We have. Uh, I've interviewed Peter Hemerick, who had a fantastic. Well, he's racing in Nice as well, but he had a great race at the Asian Open. That's finished right. uh, second there. Uh, and when you look back through his career, he's had some shitty periods, but man, he has had some hot periods. Hot, hot, hot. Okay, uh, wing of the week questions and answers at the end. So we had a couple of races happen over the weekend. Ironman Wales, which we know is traditionally one of the harder races, but also one of the kind of prestigious groups. Or Great experience races in the long-distance calendar. So what happened there, John? Female pro-only race, uh, $50,000 US total prize pool. Um, so Nikki Bartlett annihilated the field, dojo domination, um, very small pro-women's field, only six racing, obviously this close to Kona. Um, few and far between athletes are racing. She swam an hour, biked 5.25, ran 3.16 for a 9.52.02. Sounds slow, but it's a really, really tough course, particularly on the, the bike. Uh, so... Still, it is pretty slow, isn't it? Only one female got under 10 hours. Yeah. It's um, it's pretty rare nowadays. So, yeah, Nikki Bartlett, she's currently ranked 39th in the world. That'll uh, probably, I don't know if that'll leapfrog her up any rankings because um, small, weak field, but she did crush it. And that's by how far you win uh, is an influence on your your point scoring. So far this season, she's had a pretty good year. She's won a couple of 70.3. Uh, in Marbella, finished second in Swansea. Um, last year she was eighth at the 70.3 World Champs and had a couple of other podiums, second at Ironman Frankfurt last year. So, um, yeah, hasn't done heaps of racing this year. Um, they would have qualified for next year's World Championship? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I'm pretty sure I don't think they'll still be qualifying this year. No. Maybe. No, surely not. It's still a month. They used to have Ironman Canada. I was it Wisconsin that, was the old one, wasn't it? It was no, the last one. Yeah, that Ironman Canada. Maybe that was August. So pro- it probably is, I think, for next year. Yeah. Which is a good thing to do. Go to a race where no one's there. Hmm. But you'll be qualifying for Nice for next year. 
Yeah, but still, you, you, you now you've got your whole season in front of you to play in your season if you want to do well at the World Championships, which yeah. is pretty cool. Uh, we also had the Zofgen Duathlon Championship. This is the World Triathlon. This is where it gets weird now that the ITU have changed to World Triathlon. It's the World Triathlon Duathlon World Championships. Okay. Uh, so it's run over a 10-kilometer run, 147-kilometer bike, and a 27-kilometer run. Uh, so, yeah, the Zofingen course sounds like they changed it slightly this year uh, and not quite as much elevation on the bike. So we saw some course records. Um, but, yeah, really, really cool event. Simon Jorn Hansen from Denmark took out the boys by seven minutes. And on the female side, uh, it was quite close. Meryl Brunei beat Melanie Mora. Uh, she won by three and a half minutes in the end, but it sounds like they were neck and neck for a, for a long period. So good on everyone who went over to the World Long Distance Duathlon Championships in oh, Zofingen. We had a few halves over the weekend as well, uh, guys racing. After we did. The a, a few people doubling up um, from, from last weekend um, at the 70.3 Zalem Say, which is where they had the World Champs, uh, 70.3 Champs a few years ago. Frederick Funk and Jan Stratman went one and two. They both raced the weekend before and were on the podium in second and third last weekend at 70.3 World Champs. Daniela Blamel took out the females. There's a really cool race in France called the Gerard Mer XL. I didn't do the XL race the, many years ago, but I did the sprint distance race. Beautiful part of the world if you want to go adventuring and uh, and just going to a really French event. Julie Deren took it out and Jonathan Weffel. Um, I'm sure that's not how you pronounce it. And then they had 70.3 in Poznan, which is in Poland. Wilhelm Hirsch took that out and Leonie Konzela uh, took out the females race. So that's about it. One race we did miss a few weeks ago was Emperor Man, which happened on the 15th of August. Uh, interestingly, you've got here that because the PTO... Does, they do get PTO points for this race, but you're not happy but about it because the prize money's not the same for females yeah, they and males. Have. Love this event, Ember Man. It's a brilliant course, really tough, uh, and they have really good prize money, but it's not equal. And I checked this before coming around this morning when I missed my swimming. Yep. Uh, and we're late to give me my notes. <laughs> and it specifies that you should not get PTO points. Well, races do not count for PTO points if the prize money's not equal. And it looks to me like people have got points, so shame PTO sort out your, your, your stats there um, we had Janine Colong take that out in 11 hours and 5 seconds winning by 18 minutes and Arthur Horso took out the men's race in 9.14 winning by 21 minutes um, but yeah it is it full distance? Uh, it is full uh, it's maybe even slightly longer but it's basically an Ironman but it's just over mountains so it's, um, it's ridiculously hard yeah, just one thing you, so, don't, you yeah, haven't talked about. You need here. to have equal prize money. It's, it's really good prize money, but it's not equal. The females get shafted. Okay, so we had the World 70.3 champs last weekend, and we were kind of saying the field was interesting, as in none of the top 10 were in like the top 10 PTO boys. men's. Yeah. Uh, females race was a bit of a dodgy domination, but you've had some feedback from a few age groupers. What, what's the kind of feel you're getting? Oh, I put a post up, and I, we should have mentioned it last week, um, on our Facebook page, just sort of asking people what it was like. And pretty much universally, everybody said it was a fantastic event, really well organised, uh, felt like a world championships, and they did a great job. So I think we've always got to remember that, you know, when we're talking about world championship events and we're talking about Nice this weekend, or we're talking about Kona in a few weeks' time, it's as much about the age group as it is as the pros. And Ironman consistently do a fantastic job. Yeah, sometimes there's things that they can improve on, but from the feedback I had from 70.3 Worlds, it was a brilliant event. 
um, and, it, and it kind of forces you a little bit out of your comfort zone to go places that you probably wouldn't normally go to because a lot of people would never go to Finland. Um, yeah, and, what a cool life experience. And it's just a, it's a great destination. So I think that's great. Ironman are moving moving around, going to lots of different parts of the world. You know, next year they're coming down to Topol, um, and they've been to Australia, they've been to Europe a couple of times, had in the States a couple of times. So um, yeah, good on Ironman for getting that one right. Okay, the Nice Super Special. We've got the Men's World Championship happening this week. I didn't even know it was coming. That's how out of date I am. But the good news is it's happening. So this is a big change to the history of the sport because we go back to day one of Ironman. Ironman first happened in Hawaii on the Big on Maui to start with and then it went to the Big Island and it sat there forever. It's always had logistical problems. The locals kind of got sick of the event. A couple of years ago, they decided to go to two days to kind of try to spread out the races, which it seemed as for the experience of the athletes worked out to be better but cause more problems for the locals. So they were always trying to find a solution. And then they announced that they're going to split the men's race. So this year will be the men's in Nice, this, and the females will be in Kona, and each year it will swap in between. So the men's race will be in Kona next year, and Nice for the females next year. First year seeing the race, so we thought we'd just do a bit of a breakdown, a bit of the history, and uh, yeah, let's talk about it, Jumbo. If you want to go into more depth than what Bevan and I go into here, go to tryrating.com. Uh, Torsten's done, uh, as always, a massively comprehensive report on last year's event, this year's event, way more details on the course, way more details on the profile of the athletes. So check out tryrating.com. And he's got his, he's, you buy his book, don't you? His, yeah. And I think he, he's got the suggested prices, like the, the price of a like mag- magazine. Yeah, sort of like yeah. Um, so yeah, Nice has been, had a long tradition in triathlon. Um, for those of you that don't know where it is, it's in the south of France, right on the, the Mediterranean Sea. Its uh, population is only 350,000 people. But that's kind of a bit misleading because it's kind of just like this urban sprawl all the way along the the meds. So, so it's um, quite a, quite a, quite a spread out. Yeah, but it's it's a it's a city. It's a city. Yeah. Um, whereas a lot of the other places are very small cities. Hubs, yeah. Um, whereas yeah, if you go if you fly if you're going to the the med, you, you're going to fly into Nice um, over that part of the med. It's also directly next door to uh, Monaco. So if you are going to Monaco, if you're taking your private jet down there, Bevan. That's where you'd fly. I've been into. to Antibes, so I must have been close. Yeah, you would, it's really close. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would have thought if you hadn't, if you'd flown in, you would have flown into Nice. But no, we did the train on the train. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's a cool place. I've been there a number of times. Um, as I said, Monaco's next door. Long history in triathlon. Um, they, we've talked a lot about the the Nice triathlon they've had for, for many years. That used to be four k swim, one hundred and twenty k bike, and thirty k run. Used to have really good prize money and used to attract all the best athletes. Mark Allen won the race ten times, but you know. We had all sorts there. You know, Melina was there. Paul Newby Fraser won it four times. Erin Baker won it once. You famously got disqualified. I'm pretty was sure it was there. disqualified for taking outside assistance? I'm pretty sure it was there, yeah. And, uh, she basically took was, a glass of water from someone, didn't she? Yeah, it was a bit of politicking going on there. What uh, was the story there? Did you say um, it's politicking? Well, I just think the French being French, so, and they're probably a bit chauvinistic as well. Okay. Um, and I don't know if one of their athletes was in I'm sure. I'm sure Erin took it well. So, to be fair... It's a bit like Lionel Sanders last week. You know, you look at it and you go, well, there's no centre line there. When he crossed the centre line and got disqualified, yeah, you can kind of look at it. But it's a rule's rule. And for Erin, same deal. You can't take outside assistance. Mm. So she did. So she broke a rule. Pretty. For those who don't know, so back in the day, Kona was number one, Nice was number two. You know, really, in the triathlon calendar, for a long time, they were pretty close as an importance, weren't they? Um. 
Kona was always way yeah. more important, but it was a big, big race. You know? yeah. and, and that was in a time where there was a lot less races. You didn't have PTO races. You didn't have 70.3 yeah. World Championships. The athletes back then were doing all, you know, all distances. So you had a lot of really important short course races, but for the long ones, you know, it was, it was really important. Um, still, and there were not that many Ironman, you know, there was probably New Zealand, there was Japan, there was obviously Kona um, and probably Germany and Canada. Yeah. And that was probably just about it. Um, when did so, Australia come in? Australia probably would have been pretty early yeah. on, but that's moved around quite a bit. Uh, so yeah, they were they had the Nice race for the Nice distance for for quite a few years. Um, then it changed to the ITU World Long Distance Champs. And why did it, it die? Why uh, why did the Nice popularity kind of fade away? Well, I think a lot of other events came online, and then when they stopped doing the sort of Kona versus Nice and the American coverage, it probably fell away oh, quite okay. a bit then. So it was all before my time, so I don't really know. I'm okay. just speculating, but I think once that. Um, English coverage of the event dropped away. Um, the, the coverage dropped away. It's still got a strong field. As I said, it was world champs for a number of years. Ironman then came on board and took it over in 2005, um, for which they've done so since. Um, so in terms of the course, uh, the swim is sort of a two triangles. Um, so you kind of go out and do one triangle, and then on the, you've sort of, you don't come out of the water, then you go out and do another triangle to the, to the right-hand side of that. So it's a shame they don't come out of the water. It's a, it's a pebbly beach, and if, it would be quite difficult for them to get out of the water and get back in. So I can kind of understand why they don't, don't do that. But that being said, it's so good in like the PTO races and in World Triathlon when athletes get out and you can then get a split and you can kind of see who's where. Otherwise, you know, in the swim, you kind of watch the first, uh, I don't know, I'd watch the first five minutes or so, see what's kind of happening and then kind of come in and out and just come back at the end. Whereas it's a bit more engaging if they do exit the water. It'll probably be a non non wetsuit swim, um, so it's still so that hurt, that obviously it's going to hurt the, the weak swimmers. Yeah, it's a obviously it's in the mid. It's it's a saltwater swim, so and it's not likely to be rough. It's um you, you can definitely get some swell there, so it's probably going to be you know somewhat similar to Kona. Not a flat swim, highly unlikely it'll be choppy unless the wind really gets up. Um, so yeah, probably sort of Kona. You'd expect sort of Kona type results coming out of the swim. Onto the bike. As uh, everybody probably has heard, it's it's a really tough hilly bike course, um, 2,427 metres of elevation, which is 7,963 feet. Um, it's, yeah, it, there's a few decent climbs in there, but there's a lot of gradual climbs. So you, you, you're going to be doing a huge amount of that throughout the day. So um, definitely some flat in there, but a lot of uh, either gently going up, gently going down with some decent punchy climbs spread throughout. I did uh, see this morning on um, GCN, I think it was Leon Chevalier, did a bit of a profile. He rode around the whole course and sort of um, filmed bits and pieces and sort of explained it. So if you want to go uh, check that out, you'll find out more on the course. Uh, what I think is going to be really interesting is to see how drafting is policed in this race. But mm. We've had Ironmans here before. It's not, that's not nothing new. But hills do make it more challenging, don't they? But they haven't had an Ironman where you've had 30 strong guys going head to head. Yeah. I know there's 50 in the field, but you know, where you're going to have this pack dynamic. Typically, you know, you might have five good pros in there and it'll be quite spread out and it's sort of to and fro a bit. Whereas here, when you've got a pace line going through the hills, um, it's going to be interesting to see how it's 
A, officiated, and B, it's going to be so hard to pass in a lot of places when the when the roads are narrow. Um, so yeah, it's just going to be really interesting to see how that gets officiated. Uh, the descents could have a really big impact on the race. Um, it's because look, when you have hilly courses or rolling courses in Hawaii, you've got a big descent down from Harvey, but it's just straight line riding. It's not really that skillful. Good riders can get away, but um, if you're a weaker rider, if you're onto it, you shouldn't really lose much there. And the same thing applied in St George, you know, pretty much straight line riding. Whereas this is going to be technical, um, the roads are going to be narrow, the surface probably won't be uh, anything too amazing, and you're going to have to be really careful. And I think they'll all be on warning that you won't be able to cross the centre line, at least I don't think they will. Um, so you could see some athletes losing quite a bit of time on the descent, um, potentially seeing some of them crashing, and you're going to potentially see people infringing on the rules by crossing the centre line. And that's the other thing. When you've got like a pace line, say you've got 10 guys in a pace line and you're going to make a pass and you've got to get past all of them, uh, it's going to be difficult because if someone's not riding to the left, you've got to be careful that you don't cross the centre line when you're, when you're going up past them as well. So uh, it's going to be interesting. There's, uh, the descending, a lot of it happens in the last third of the ride. So what that's going to mean is you'll be coming off the bike um, in a lot fresher state than what you might normally because you had uh, plenty of recovery. The last section is flat, but prior to that, you know, the last third, there's a lot of descending. Um, onto the run, uh, it's four out and backs, so just straight line running, pancake flat, not a single um, bit of elevation in there. Uh, you're going up and down the Promenade des Anglais. Um, the temperatures, I thought it was going to be a bit cooler than what the forecast is. It's currently looking like uh, around about 29 degrees, so toasty, not insanely hot, but not Kona conditions, but I thought it was going to be more sort of mid-20s, so that'll make a little bit of an impact on the run. But overall, good conditions for both cycling and running without being insanely hot. I would expect to see the pace on the run to be insane, especially in the first third when people are relatively fresh off the bike. And I reckon that we're going to see somebody go under the two-hour 30 mark for the boys. Oh, really? Um, because we've seen Patrick Langer go really close. He did, I think he did two hours 30 potentially in in wrote uh, he definitely did around about that in in Ironman Israel uh, how do you pace it you know like if you're coming off the bike and you are a little bit fresher because you've had those downhills you, you, you still got to you still got to manage him and Ironman well but if, if you think you got you know do you go out going I'm going to go for a sub 230 oh definitely if you well if you're going for the win you definitely have to and someone like Patrick Langer it's highly likely he's going to be down coming off the bike for him to be competitive, he's going to have to run a 2.30. And if you're running a 2.30, you kind of, it's highly unlikely you're going to run a negative split in an Ironman. So you've got to be on schedule for, for a sub 2.30 through the first half. So, yeah, I reckon we're going to see not just Patrick Langer, but I think a number of guys are going to run insanely fast. Um, and I do expect to still see some, some explosions because the bike ride might stick together a bit in little groups, but you Definitely going to see some guys massively overriding on this course. Uh, either yeah, because the, the spike's going to be a high spike, isn't it? Yeah, going but uphill. it's either going to be a choice or you're just going to ride hard by mistake. You know, some guys might go, screw this, I'm just going to go for it on the bike and see what happens because I will have that recovery later on um, on the on the descents. Uh, and if I want to get in the top five, I've got to play my cards and I've got to try to get... 10 minutes lead off the bike and that's my only chance someone like a Cameron Worth yeah his running's not bad now 
best case scenario for him is probably running about a two hour 50 and if you've got guys that are going to be running two hours 30 you're going to need 15 minute lead to be competitive yeah. and that's not even going to be enough to, to lead but it also guys going for 230 some of them are going to explode oh totally they will god yeah. that's quick isn't it yeah it's unbelievable so you know if you're running two hours sub two hour 30 in an Ironman it's mm. so impressive but I think we'll see we'll see a few of them I don't think yeah, there's only probably a couple that can break 2.30, but there's several that uh, can certainly go pretty close. So we've seen guys like Denny Chevro. He ran, uh, I think, a 2.34 maybe in in uh, Hamburg earlier in the year. So, yeah, the last couple of times, in terms of what total times we can expect, uh, earlier this year, Clement Mignon um, took out the race. He swam 49, he biked 4.34 and ran 2.45 to beat Abart Arnotts. Uh, so that was an 8.17. Now, I do believe the, the bike course is slightly different um they've added a, maybe added a fraction in to just get the distance but he went 817 i'm picking it's going to be eight hours or, or under um for for the win that was last year the year before that uh we had uh we had rudy von berg take it out and he's a weapon on the bike especially on the downhills uh he took that out in eight hours 24 um, running a 248, riding a 438 and swimming 50 minutes. So, yeah, I think um, the eight-hour barrier may be, may be broken. We'll wait and see. So um, that's a bit about the course, a little bit about Nice, and a little bit about the field. Interestingly, the strength of field is actually not that high on the PTO because you don't have... Uh, a lot of the short course athletes are ranked really high, so there's you know there's no Blumenfeld, there's no Eden, oh, and true. some of the guys that focus maybe like an Aaron Royal, um, who focus on the 70.3 distance or the the PTO distance, they're not there. So strength of field is only 91.54. Prize money is 375,000 uh, US. Seeded number one on the rankings is Magnus Ditlev, followed by Jan Fredino, Peter Hemrick, Sam Laidlow, and Daniel Beckengard. Um, got. Patrick Langer there, Joe Skipper as well. Um, but yeah, it definitely feels to me like a changing of the guard um, in terms of some of the names we were talked about in the past. People like um, Hoffman, um, you talk about maybe... Well, you, do, t- you talk about... T- um, Tim O'Donnell. Um, Tim O'Donnell probably King not so Lay, much. yeah. But pe- people like that. But they've gone. They've gone. Yeah. Um, uh, but even um, Sanders? Sanders, yeah, yeah, totally. Because he's not racing, is he? No, he's not racing. And he's, he's certainly getting towards it towards the end of his career, still going well, but yeah. he's in his, I think he's in his later 30s, I think, or mid to late 30s. So yeah, it feels like a change in the guard. Um, you don't have the two, um, you don't have the two Norwegians in there in terms of Eden and Blumenfeld. And you also, um, one who's pulled out is uh, Max Newman, who finished third last year, I think And he took out the European PTO? He took out the European PTO, so he was on great form, but he's been injured. I think he even went over there um, trying to make it, but uh, couldn't, so he's out. So this is a wide open field. Uh, really interested to see how it goes. Um, I'm more. If this race was being held in Kona, I'm I'm more excited about this than if if the same race was happening in Kona because you just don't know what's going to happen. Here's a question for you: the bike. If this same field was a, okay, so would you pick a different pick? If, if this race was happening in Kona, okay, 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 who are you picking? Okay, so my first, second, third, I'm going for Jan Fredino. Oh, you're um, picking him. Patrick, and I, I was stuck with that. I said early on, Jan Fredino, Patrick Langer, and Michael, uh, not Michael Weiss, uh, Bradley Weiss. I reckon there'll be, 
often you see in Kona, and I reckon it'll be the same here, you'll have one, not necessarily a dark horse, yep. but somebody who yep. might be ranked sort of more 10 to 20. Um, so Brad, Brad Device, and the reason for that is he's um, a very good mountain biker, so I think his bike skills will be fantastic, so he'll probably smoke it on the downhills. He's a good runner, and I just think there's going to be somebody there that's going to surprise a few. And Patrick Langer, if he can run a 230, he'll probably run himself into a good position. So you're going, who are you, are you going? Frodo, Langer, and Vice. I don't um, really know. Um, yeah, you've got to have a near, don't you? Uh, yeah, you'd, you would think so. Based on his road performance, yeah. you'd say yes. But the thing is, there's so many unknowns. You just don't know how these dudes are going to ride. Like, I don't know how good Jan Fredino is at downhill high-speed stuff compared to some, some of the others. I think he's probably pretty good. Again, don't know with Ditlev. You just you just don't see these guys um, racing, racing these on guys, this yeah. type of course in a top quality field at a world championship. So we'll often go off and like Fredino one year did, um, did Lanzarote, but that was one time that he actually got beaten. Um, I remember, I think it was Jesse Thomas that beat him. Uh, so My heart says Fredino, but mm. I don't know if my head says Fredino. He, like the performance he had a few weeks ago brings him back into the game. What was mm. it? The US Open, wasn't it? Uh, that was the US Open, yeah. yes. So the US Open, he, you know, like I was like, oh, he's back. Because up until this moment this year, there wasn't much to say that he was going to be of that level. Mm. You know, the European Open, he was a bit fell away, um, you know. But the US Open, he was pretty great in that race. At the same token, I wouldn't be surprised if none of those guys get on the top three. And yeah, that's like what I mean. Peter Hemerick. Sam, if Sam Laidlow performs like he did in Kona, That's he's, what I mean. he's a spectacular cyclist and he lives in the hills, so I think his skills would be fantastic. But uh, he's a bit up and down. Um, he has some great races and he has some crappy ones. Uh, I would not be at all surprised to see him leading with a 10-minute lead coming off the bike on someone like a Jan Fredino and uh, either holding on or capitulating. Uh, so I think there's so, so much intrigue. So let's some of his results. So he's ranked number 35 in his running, so it's not a strong point. But if we look at, like, Kona, he ran a 244. Yeah, and that's in Kona, in the heat. Yeah. Uh, when, he, when he's running, good. He's a good runner. He's not amazing, but he's good enough to hold. Like, if you compare him to, say... Yeah, if he's got 10 minutes off the bike, it's going to be a race. Oh, yeah. yeah. Easy. Yeah. You would, you would expect him to run a two, 240, if not quicker. Um, and so, yeah, for somebody to catch up, they're going to have to run. Okay, I'm going to go Fredino, and, and not that I actually believe it, but just I want it. Mm-hmm. Um, Fredino, I'm going to go Ditlev, and Bickengard. Right, but cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm just pulling out my butt to be honest. <laughs> It'd be interesting to see what the some of the weakest swimmers do on this one. Like someone like a Joe Skipper, who's a fantastic rider and an f- amazing time trialist. You know, you see him doing these 100k time trials, 12 hour things. He's a brilliant cyclist, and maybe uh, a course like this might help him because. I don't know. You might you might be able to go quicker by yourself than than in a group at some stages. Uh, maybe maybe not. Then you've got other guys like you'll hear today on the interview we did with Peter Hemerick, who finished second at the PTO race in Asia. Um, he does almost all his training on Zwift, and as he and he says, my bike skills aren't great, but I think I'll keep up. But that's a think. It's not a yeah. <laughs> and and the question is, how much time does a bike skills cost you? Is it five minutes? Both up and downhill. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. Uh, in terms of the coverage, um, I think it'll be stock standard. Oh, no, sorry, going back coverage. to my question. Mm. Okay, so you, pick, you picked um, Fredino. Langer and Vice. If we're in Kona, who would you pick? Um, Same field. 
Pretty similar. I'd probably go Ditlev. I don't know why I'm not, not picking Ditlev, but I'm just thinking... Who do I pick? I pick? You picked Ditlev in there as well. Yep. You picked... Uh, and yeah, I just don't know what his skills are like on a windy course. In a straight line, the guy's a beast. So I'd say the Kona course potentially suits him a little bit better, but then the run maybe not because he's a bigger dude. Um, but that would probably be the only change I'd make. Okay, Sunday New Zealand time. If you're getting up early, you're going to be up at six fifty, and it's a perfect week for Kiwis. Oh no, that's local time. That's, that's oh. in France at six fifty. Oh, that's, that's not right. too bad for Kiwis. It's four fifty in the afternoon on, I think it's Sunday. I'm sure the race is being held on Saturday. Well, I'm not, I'm not sure on that actually. Let's see. What is the date? Tenth. What day is the tenth, Evan? Uh, the tenth will be set uh, Sunday. Sunday. So it'll be Monday. Oh, it's Monday. Oh, I'm going to have to cancel Monday night running. <laughs> um, we might change that to a bike ride. Um, I have a running session that starts at 5.30 on Monday night. Okay, that changes things. Um, so, yeah, uh, 4.50 p.m. for, for Kiwis, five, uh, 2.50 for Aussies. It's good for Australians. It's good. Yep. If you're at work, <laughs> just log off a little early. Uh, New York, not so good if you're on the eastern seaboard. Uh, it's sort of basically a middle-of-the-night start, but you'll be able to get up in the morning and watch the run. It'll be kind of cool. L.A., you probably get the worst starts, 11 p.m. And if you're in the UK, um, brilliant Sunday, get up 5:50 a.m., watch the start of the swim, have a bit of breakfast, um, maybe get on the bike towards the end of the swim, and do do a monster uh, indoor training session. The weather's so shit over there; it's probably uh, you're probably looking forward to it. How much do we watch? Like I've, I've I've literally watched the whole day a few times. I probably won't this time because the timing's not working. But how much will you watch? Um, well, given that I've just realised it's on a Monday, I'm so I'm ch- anybody listening comes to my Monday night running session. We're biking next week, yep. uh, so I'll, I'll clock in a couple of hours there and then go home and I'll watch a bit more of the bike and then hopefully and then I'll just get up the next morning actually we'll be, be at the show we'll be just uh, we'll just be before the show no swimming next Tuesday morning <laughs> um, I'll be watching the rest of the race and uh, and we will be recording the show like literally uh, a few hours after it's finished so we won't have any interviews or anything like that because they'll probably be in the medical tent uh, it's going to be awesome okay um Awesome stuff. I'm really looking forward to watching this. I'll watch as much of it as I can within reason because unfortunately it's moved the night. But really cool. I'm really excited about this. And when they first announced the change, we were a little bit dubious. We were unsure if it's going to work. And going into it, it seems pretty exciting. The the proof's in the pudding. So we'll really see this weekend what what does it do for the World Championships. And I think traditionally one of the arguments is Kona's favoured a certain type of athlete mm. and there's been many athletes who would have been world championships on an East course mm-hmm. I think of their cyclists in the 90s and the 2000s mm. you know there would have been more guys who maybe would have won the world championship in that time yeah um, or it's people like Melina who didn't handle heat so well mm-hmm. so you know your big units not that Melina's a big unit no it's just a I sweater I think it's going to be awesome for the pros and we're going to see different racing and the next course is brilliant. Um, for the age groupers, that's where it's going to be intriguing what that does long term in terms of that Kona appeal um, in terms of how many numbers actually want to go to a world champs that isn't in Kona and then equally how many actually want to go to Kona when it's only a single gender event. Is Kona, is the female race sold out? Uh I don't believe so. I believe there's not big numbers. Oh, really? <laughs> but that's just from one person that I've heard that, so I need to do a bit more research on that. Which, realistically, you know, there's not as many females who do the sport. Mm. You know, so it's not necessarily that surprising. No. But you still think you'd sell it out. Yeah. How many 1,500 athletes is it, or 2,000? No, they get like two two 2,300 or so. 
So I'll do a bit more research on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that heard, closer to the time. It's nowhere near close. Okay, John Shaw, of course, update. I know nothing about it, but I was watching the news and Hayden Wild did not look happy. Um, yeah, well, the, I've, I'm watching this today. It's raining. Super, in relief, Super League over the weekend. So Super League was in Toulouse in France, round two. Hayden Wild is making a return and, uh, and he got some sort of penalty. And I can't comment but too much because I haven't watched it. But sounded pretty random, and it's just another case of Super League, if it is random, of just having random rules and not applying no, things. Well, from on the news, based on what I saw, and I'm sure lots of people have watched this, is what happened was when he went through transition, he heard the bell, mm. but the bell was for a, a rider they had lapped. Right. So he thought he had another lap to go. So uh-huh. he goes through transition and realised, oh, fuck, I don't, you know, I don't have that. Yeah. So he went back and, and got a penalty. Right. Because he'd gone through transition. And the guy who won, I think, did the same thing, but he figured it Didn't, out earlier. Yeah. So the time penalty, because the time penalty is like a stop start or something like that. So Super League's fantastic, but you do see some random things happening like that. Gwen won a World Cup. Yeah, so World Cup is the level below World Triathlon Series, and you definitely get a level of athlete below that series. It's They're still really good athletes, but they're not. It's like next level, way next level down. So good to see her winning. She's awesome, um, and she's on the way. You know, she's on this gradual incline up uh, so good to see her winning but uh, she wants to try to get a slot at the Olympics and uh, the the final race of the series World Triathlon Series is uh, in Spain might be the weekend after next I think it is uh, and she's not on the start list currently and I think it'll be a battle for her to get on the start list but uh, this might enhance her chances um, but yeah very, very, very long shot of making the Olympics, in my opinion. Okay, this week's discussion was, what has been the best triathlon to watch so far this season? Uh, Chuck Manners, you know, he, he's gone back through 12 months being the season, which is fair enough. He's got Kona 22, uh, the two-day format was awesome. And uh, Peter Colson at the other end of our comments, he actually put a link up to last year's uh, Ironman World Championships documentary, so you don't have to watch the whole okay. coverage. Uh, so that's a good one there if you want to go and check that out. Actually, interestingly, okay, I'm going to look at that in a second. Um, Robert Beelin's got Paris because it was really important race for most athletes, and the city is marvellous. A few people had Super League in here. Carl Hayes said Super League watching London replay right now. John Weir and Tear uh, said the Super League indoor races were his favourite. Montreal was fun to watch. Okay, so just as you talked then, so the Vin Fast Ironman World Championships has only had 650,000 views on YouTube. Is that the official one, is it? That's on the IMM page. Right. Which, not a lot really, is it? No. no. Y- you know, like you think back in the day. Now, now this would have been on TV as well, I imagine. You assume so. On some yeah. channel. Um, yeah, so, you know, not, you know, again, I would have expected maybe a little bit more. Scott Horns has got Rote and then the US Open, then Ibiza. Yes, and that's pretty much a consistent theme in terms of all the other races. A uh, number of people said uh, the PTO Milwaukee in America. Justin Brandley said that. Iona McKenzie, Snow Trooper, said uh, personally, partially to Rote, maybe because I was there, but just really liked the PTO, Ibiza, Singapore, and mixed team relay and Paris test event, um, just from a viewership advantage. Kamenison Hatley's got PTO Singapore, Ibiza, and then the USA, so all the PTO races. Yeah, and the only other ones we had, yeah, it was basically Rote, Singapore for the Asian Open, and that was about it. What's really interesting is no Ironman races really, other than Kona. Yeah, and it's basically yeah PTO or Super League. Um, so in terms of for me, um, my favourite, and I, and I think a lot of those are still really fresh in people's minds because 
You know, the US Open was only a couple of weeks ago. Singapore was only a couple of weeks yep. ago. Super League's happening right now. Um, for me, I'll go back to Ibiza, Ibiza men's race. Yeah. Because uh, a number of factors. Firstly, we had a Kiwi leading off the bike. Yep. Kyle Smith was leading it. And then you had Brownlee leading it. And you're yep. thinking, this is pretty cool. And then you had uh, Frodo, was, Fro- Frodo was racing yep. in there. He wasn't going to win it. But, but he, he was, was up in, there. He, he was back racing. And then you had Max Newman. Um, Blumenfeld glad he starts cramping. And then Blumenfeld didn't cramp in that one. Oh, was that um, the one? But he was closing in. It was going that's to get, right, and it that's was right. Yeah. really close to, to see who won. So there, there was so many factors in there. And I'm not being a sexist pig by saying it was the men's race because the women's race was all over. And that was a shame. It was the same in the Asian Open as well. What's been the best um, female race in? Probably all, Kona. All three of them have actually been just runaways for, for But Kona you'd say, wouldn't you, for last year? Last 12 months? Yeah, but again, you had Chelsea Cesaro just annihilated everybody But it was there. a surprise at least. But yeah, yeah, it was. Um, but yeah, so that was for me. It was Ibiza, Ibiza men's race. Okay, this week's discussion is what are your top three picks for the Ironman World Championships male race in Kona? Oh, no, sorry. In Nice. In nice. <laughs> yeah. Get that right. So we want to see your top three picks and the winner gets a car. John's right. car, he's just going to Oh, no, a Vinfast. Vinfast car. Is it, is it a car, is it? Yeah, it's an electric car. Jesus. Yeah, then the marketing's not working on no, you, is it's it? It's really not. It's really not. Okay, let's go to your quiz question. Okay, we'll do this quick because we've got an interview to go and do. Uh, who placed fourth and fifth at the Ironman World Champs last year? We'll do males and females. Fourth and fifth? Yeah, because you often remember the top three, but who got fourth and fifth? Still a bloody good race, but you're not on the podium unless you're on some stupid American podium where they do the top five. Okay, we'll, we'll get into it soon. We'll be back. We've got an interview. Oh, actually, no, let's do this now. We're going to interview John. Peter. Peter Hemerick. Um, I'll basically do an intro when we when we roll into the interview. But uh, yeah, some really great races early on, as you're going to hear. Um, and then a real lull through the COVID period, just about gave it away. And then uh, the last season or so, uh, it's been on fire. Well, no, the last few races been on fire. On fire. Here is Peter right now. Righto, team. Uh, very happy on today's show to have Peter Hemrick. If you watched the uh, coverage of the PTO race a couple of weeks ago in Asia, he was the dude who was uh, leading off the bike and had a fantastic second place, as well as a second at Hamburg earlier in the year at Ironman. Uh, he's currently ranked seventh on the PTO rankings, and uh, but it hasn't all been plain sailing in his career. There's been some ups and downs. We'll find out about them shortly. So welcome along, Peter. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, tell us uh, what, what's training been like today? You know, Nice is not far away. Uh, what, what have you been doing today? Today really was a lazy day. Like uh-huh. uh, I had like uh, Monday and Tuesday, my two longest days of the week. And uh, yesterday and today was like very easy because also tomorrow starts school in Belgium. So the, the little kids have to go to school. My w- wife works in a school, so I had the kids alone. And then it's always like searching the balance between what can we train today and what can we do with the kids. Yeah. So I only did like uh, one hour little run. And then uh, now I came from the sports massage and that's it for today. So only one uh, little run, but uh, the next two days are much bigger because it's like, yeah, like you said, for Nice next week, the last two days to go hard and then it's tapering. What do those two days look like? You know, you're, you're getting really close to Nice. What, what's a key couple of key sessions for you? Yeah, the key sessions all are already done. That was Monday and Tuesday. Like uh, Monday, I did like uh, six hours on Zwift oh. with uh, two, yeah, but with two mountains, like, yeah, 
not that hard pace like Ironman pace, but slower just to keep like uh, getting the legs uh, back used to like long, slower because yeah, after doing PTO, fast, shorter, the legs need uh, <laughs> some slower training again to get uh, in top shape for Nice. And uh, Tuesday I did like uh, 35k run with 30 kilometers Ironman, Ironman pace. Nice. So that were like the two, the two bigger days. Uh, that's also the reason why today was easy. But uh, yeah, the next two days, I think tomorrow is a hard swim. Four hours on the bike with six times 10 minutes, 70.3 pace. Uh, small run. And then Saturday, hard run. Easy swim, easy bike. And then from Sunday, it's like all easy traveling to Nice. And then the last hard sessions will be, of course, in Nice on the course. Because yeah, it's uh, <laughs> hilly downhill so yeah maybe it's better to be early there that i can check everything out because uh yeah you don't want to do it the first time in the race yeah so you ch why did you choose uh zwift for your six hour session was that to try and simulate the hills or was that just it was more convenient yeah, i'm doing it now like already maybe two three years i think like maybe 90 percent of my bike training is inside Mm -hmm. just also like because where i live in belgium yeah it's not that we live in a big city or something but yeah i love it to just like go on the bike everything is ready put swift on start the bike you don't have to stop for lights you don't have to see to traffic yeah i've got also two dogs at home so they can uh, play in the garden kids at home they can also play in the garden so it's yeah also it's easy you can uh, do a lot more if you're training on swift and yeah. at the end, for me, it's also important because, like you said, I live in in Belgium, not where there are, where I live. There are no hills. Yeah. Like, uh, yeah, there are some hills, but it's like maybe the highest point is like fifty, sixty meters. So, yeah, the hill is like one minute, and you're on top of the hill. And uh, yeah, what I need to get in top shape, uh, yeah, most importantly for the big races is yeah, riding the hills and on goes with you can do it. So, nice. <laughs> a lot of uh. I'll, Alpe de Zwift and Mont Ventoux, uh, yeah. but not in real life, always on Zwift. Yeah, cool. Um, you've been racing pro since, or no, you've been racing tries since about 2010 from what I could see. Um, but what I also read on on PTO, in your, when you were early racing as a pro, uh, you were also teaching. So how, how big a decision was it for you to stop teaching and go full-time triathlon? I think now it's like four years that I'm full-time professional. Yeah, of course, two years of uh, not so nice COVID <laughs> yeah. uh, years. But uh, yeah, I think I, I only became professional athlete when I was 29. Uh, that year, I was like fifth place on the 70.3 World Championship in uh, South Africa. I think uh, the race was won by Jan Frodeno before Brownlee, Gomez. So for me, that was really like the first big result uh, on the big scene. And then one of my main sponsors said like, yeah, maybe it's time to, to become professional. Because yeah, it's, I was 29. I was working on a school already like, I think almost six years that I was teacher. And then it was difficult because in Belgium, it's like a system. Uh, if you are working in a school, after some years, you can get like um, a fixed contract for your career, like forever. Uh, and I was like on the yeah on the on on the moment when I had to decide like, am I going to become professional or not? I not was on that um, place that I could stay in the school, 
So for me, it was difficult because, yeah, you never know what's going to happen when you become professional athlete because you see it a lot. Athletes will become professional. They think like, okay, oh, we've got a lot of time. Do you know what we're going to do? We're going to do all our training and then we do it two times uh, more or something like in hours. And then it's like, okay, the season starts and it's like, oh, I'm getting not as fit as normally or I'm not doing the results like last year when I wasn't pro, when I was working. So then, then it was for me like, okay, what are we going to do? But at the end, you're 29. And if you get a chance, certainly like in a country like Belgium, if you get the, the chance to get professional, yeah, you need to do it because, yeah, you don't stay <laughs> 29 years old. And, uh, yeah, the moment I realized, like, um, after my career, I will go back to school. And at the end, I think in Belgium, you have to still have to work till 67 years old now. There yeah. will be enough time to be a teacher. So, uh, yeah. and that's the reason that I, when I said, like, come on, we go all in. And, uh, yeah, so far, like you said, some ups, some downs. And now back in the up game. And uh, yeah, yeah we ho- I hope I can stay there. <laughs> is it, do you get much coverage in Belgium? And is it easy to make, um, you know, get sponsors? Belgium, for those that don't follow, cycling is is huge. Cycling's massive. So for triathletes and, and duathletes, which Belgium are good at, uh, do you get much attention? And, and is it you know, relatively easy to get sponsors? It's uh, easy and difficult because why it's easy for me, it's easy because I've got like one main sponsor who is like supporting me already like six or seven years now. Mm-hmm. And he also said to me like, Peter, I stay your sponsor till you say like, it's over. Uh-huh. If you are like on the moment in your career, like when you say like, no, now it's okay. Like Sebi, uh, Sebi Keenle says like, no, for me, it's the time to stop now because I feel my body says like, I'm not anymore or i can't do anything on training more to become better okay then i will have to say like okay maybe i have to stop but uh yeah that's a, that's a good thing with me my main sponsor said like you have to decide when you stop and as long as you think you can beat the best of the world i will sponsor you so that's a good thing but i have to be honest sometimes it's very difficult and certainly after like the the covid years we've saw some uh yeah like some factories or some uh, like the bike industry did like very good like in Belgium it was crazy like uh, you couldn't find any bikes in the shop anymore because everybody wants to go outside ride a bicycle but I think now it's like uh, in, the, in the cycling industry getting more difficult and yeah what's what I also heard it now is like the, the next year will become very yeah crazy I think for for also like for just like sponsoring in in, uh, in triathlon or in cycling because yeah it will be yeah i think the the cycling industry will get like the how you call it after the very high point of covid when they sold yeah. so many bikes now it will go down and yeah at the end you know <laughs> when there's less money in a factory then they're gonna use not the money to sponsor athletes i think so yeah but let's see how that will uh evaluate in the coming months years but so, yeah, it's like you said. <laughs> so you you, yes. you started racing well when you twenty nineteen looked like an amazing year. You you won or you were second in every race you did, from what I could see. Uh, and twenty eighteen looked fantastic as well. In in those first couple of years, going full time, were you able to make the same or better living compared to when you were teaching? 
I was better, but the problem was, um, yeah, I was injured sometimes. Like I crashed with the bike and then I had like an injury, didn't go to hospital. I uh-huh. kept training with the injury. And then, yeah, the thing is when, when you are in a negative spir- spiral and you're like doing it, did not finish in the race, you think like, okay, next race will be better. You do a new race again and did not finish or not a good result. But then you're thinking again, like, okay, in two, three weeks, it will get better. But uh, my problem was I didn't um, yeah, search for help and I didn't was smart enough on that uh, on that moment to say like, Peter, just do a break, let your body heal like one or two months and then restart. But then the problem was, of course, like the, the COVID years, I think for nobody, it was good to have like almost no races. In Belgium, there was like nothing for, I think, one year, one year and a half. And then it was very difficult for me, like to find, like, yeah, you, you skipped your job as a teacher. Schools were open from in the beginning. I think with COVID only schools were closed, like one or two months. And after it was like school, like normal. Um, and then it was for me very difficult because you don't have anything. You you left your job, so you don't have your social life for uh, from your from your work. And then you have you yeah you can go to training, but yeah, with uh, with all the COVID uh, specialities that you have to go to the pool. You only can swim with two in a lane. You have to do this. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have like the social interaction and that was very difficult because yeah, no races, no social interaction. Yeah, it's for nobody. It's good. Yeah. But uh, yeah, now I found again like the good balance in between like training, family, uh, doing extra next to the sports like uh, every Wednesday. Wednesday evening, I give like one hour um uh, running training to the kids from the the street and like also kids from the city, and that for me it's something important because now I've got back the feeling that I'm not only like the triathlete, that I also can do like giving the kids some sports. The kids are happy and I am happy because I had the feeling like yes, I did something else this week than only the swimming, biking, running, yeah. and yeah, that's for me the most important that I've fu- I found back how to create a balance in my life. To do to be a good father, also of of course of the kids, to also be a good triathlete, and uh, yeah, I think that's the most important. I mean, twenty twenty was a wipeout. Twenty twenty one looked uh, terrible for you with with no yes, and, <laughs> and and uh, the only result being a fourth in in Ironman Hamburg. Where you you said I think uh, in Singapore you were pretty close to 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 stopping. Uh, like one year ago, I think before the PTO in Canada in Edmonton, I was on the, on the on the moment. Yeah, I can really say it. Like it was like my last chance to be staying in the game because yeah, at the end you've got sponsors, but yeah, if you're not doing results like one a year or one year and a half, they are not happy. And I can, <laughs> I only can, yeah, can accept it because yeah, they, at the end they want to see results from you. Um, but for me, it was really like, I think I was 16 Canada for me. It was really like getting back on the rails because yeah, with the PTO, I think sixth place was good, good money. And yeah, at the end, if you have a house that you have to pay, you have got two kids that you have to, uh, uh, give, (laughs) give, uh, food, buy clothes, everything. So yeah, you're, once you're a professional athlete, you have to see that the money comes in and, uh, On that moment, there was not so much money going in, only going out because I was doing every race what was possible. 
did not finish, I go to the next race, but you got a lot of travel expenses. You got a lot of costs like going to the races and you come at home without nothing. And then, yeah, then it's difficult. But uh, yeah, I think really after PTO Canada, then I really started to have the financial stability again and then everything went better. So, yeah. How are the when you go to a PTO race? Um, obviously, the money is is much better than than most other events. Is it very different to say say when you go to PTO um, Canada or, or the US Open? How does that differ to say going to the seventy point three World Champs in terms of the feeling and just yeah? How, how is it different? The thing with the PTO now is like I'm really obsessed by the ranking. Like uh, every week, um, I know like normally it's, I think, Tuesday. I want to see the ranking. I want to see who is moving up, who is going down. And certainly because next year will be a big year for PTO. I think what I heard is like maybe five to six events, only limited fields. So yeah, at the end, you want to be so, as high as possible in the ranking. But for me, really like the PTO is, yeah, if I see, okay, the PTO is done, I want to do the race. So for me, it was very difficult to say PTO USA Milwaukee. The same weekend was also the European Championship from 70.3 in Europe. But then it was like, okay, no, European Championship 70.3 is also important. And you can't go to Milwaukee from Europe, coming back, then going to Singapore, and then to be back 100% fit in Nice wasn't possible. So yeah, what I hope, and I think what a lot of people hope, uh, or at least hope next year is that there will be like, more time between the big events because what you see now is like yeah you got milwaukee you got singapore you got the 70.3 world european championship 70.3 is in a time frame from five to six weeks i think mm. and at the end we are we aren't all uh christian blumenfeld who is going mm. to go from paris to <laughs> singapore mm. coming back to lati uh i you know what i mean i think a lot of Athletes try to do like one or two big races in a time frame from five, six weeks, but four or five is too difficult. So I really hope like the next year will be more the events, the big events will be separated more about like, over the full year. I think then uh, then we will see like very cool races. But at the actual events, is it very different? Obviously, it's still swim, bike, run. Um, but in terms of your obligations as an athlete, do PTO look after you differently to compared to when you go to a, a 70.3 champs? That's uh, all different. Like, uh, yeah, I, how do I say it? Sometimes you go to an event and you think like, whoa, this was like really like also the European Championship 70.3. There was like uh, one person who was responsible for all the pro-, pro athletes. And I think the weeks before we got like 10 emails, information, where to swim, where the hotels are, where the buses here is. I like every, a lot of information. Also on spot, you could uh, send her a message on WhatsApp. So it's really depending which event. Like now also PTO Singapore was like, yeah, how you say it, like an athlete, it's perfect. You arrive on the airport, PTO uh, is there with a taxi, brings you to the hotel, the mechanics are in the hotel, everything like what's important, all is arranged, you go with a bus to the briefing, and that's really nice that you get like, yeah, okay, I'm now like four, four years professional athlete or something, but what we're seeing now is like the level of, um, yeah, 
of the races is getting higher. Like the the yeah the the feeling around is so much bigger now than when I started it the professional career like four five five years ago, and that's very nice as an athlete because yeah, if you go to a race like now in Singapore, so far from home, and if you got then really like the welcome feeling, you feel the organization is there for organizing the race for you. Yeah, that's so nice and. Uh, yeah, at the end, you want to be there next year also because you feel those events are the events, I think, who will uh, certainly from next year when it will be a cooperation with World Triathlon, uh, that will get like the big attention, I think. And that's good for the sport because now we will have like a lot of big championship races from Ironman, Challenge, PTO. Uh, but yeah, I really hope like the, the dates next year will be more separated. So we can do more of them and don't have to choose between. Oh, um, I want to ask about uh, Ironman Hamburg. You know, um, the the winner at that race was uh, Denny Chevro. He was, you know, a few minutes up the road from a little group, but I think there was only 38 seconds between second and fourth. Um, you managed yes. to get, <laughs> you, you got second. Uh, uh, Jan Fredino ended up in fourth place. What t- tell us about the finish of that race and and how it unfolded and what ga- what you think gave you the edge to get second compared to fourth? Yeah, the crazy thing was I started the run together with uh, with Jan, and for me it was like, huh, am I running with Jan Frodeno? The first kilometers of the run it was like, no, this is not possible, because yeah, you are leading the race European Championship with with the man himself, <laughs> like. Is this possible? And then, yeah, the first thing you start to do is like, you look to your um, Garmin and you see your pace and you look like, hmm, this is f- quite hard. And then you think like, okay. And Jan is also like looking to his pace and he asks you like, Peter, do you also have this pace? And I said like, yes. Okay, <laughs> this is fast. <laughs> now I was like, okay, it feels fast, but it went for me. It was really on that moment. It felt like comfortable and for him the same because we were talking in the beginning stage. But uh, I really have to be honest, the moment he uh, made the gap, I think it was kilometer 11 or 12, we really were running fast because then Chevrolet, I think he did the best marathon that day, I think two hours 34, if I'm not uh, wrong. Uh, But he was not coming closer. I think we were running faster the first half. But on that moment that Jan went faster, I had something like, okay, no, I'm not having the experience enough to follow him. Because it's maybe my, it was my fourth or fifth full Ironman that I now finished, and yeah, for Jan Frodeno, he's already in the sports I think like more than twenty years. Yeah, for him, he can feel very good what he's capable of. So, and I was thinking like, okay, no, my own pace, and uh, let's see what's going to happen. But uh, yeah, I think uh, I run alone second place till kilometer twenty eight, twenty nine when Denis Chevro passed me. But when he passed me, I was, uh, <laughs> I really felt like, okay, you know, Jan, he also will have got a problem because he was running really fast. But uh, yeah, Dennis is known for his fast running. And I think on that day, he really was unbeatable. He was, uh, it was really fast. And uh, yeah, at the end, you can see it. Eh? I think me and Hogenhag, we came together because I had a toilet stop at kilometer 30 or something, 32. Uh, so and then uh, on on that moment, going from second place to going on why two kilometers later to fourth place, I really was like, oh no, now the podium is also gone. But then it was really strange because yeah, you were running in in Germany. You also think like, okay, all the people here, ninety percent of the people is German, 
Jan Frodeno is racing the big goat. So like mm-hmm. he's the guy here. But that then on a moment the people started to uh yeah supporting for us, like for me and Christian, and saying like Peter Christian, you come closer to Jan. And we are like, huh? Are we coming closer? And then yeah, really we saw him uh yeah, because he was second, so he had a, a bike with him with a flag. And then really was like, okay, it's only less than one minute and there's still six kilometers to go. And I think we only uh, uh, passed him kilometer 40 or something. Yeah. And then when I passed him, I was like, okay, now I'm going. But I think 100 meters later, I stopped. I started walking. Ah. Because I, yeah, I don't know why, because I think it was more something mentally. Like I didn't expect that I could pass him. And I was like, I started walking. I was like, Peter, what are you doing? <laughs> then Christian also passed me and I was back going from second place to fourth place, <laughs> but still one and a half kilometer to go. And then it really was like, yeah, no, last eight station was all or nothing. And I started sprinting, I think last kilometer or something. And then in the last uh, line till the finish, I looked back and I was like, okay, I'm second. And then I really was also surprised Christian also passed him. And I think, yeah, like you said, we were like two, three and four within 40 or 45 seconds yeah the only thing now is yeah next week is nice and i i don't think i i think <laughs> that uh jan frodeno didn't forget how uh hamburg went so yeah. i i don't think he's going to uh have it uh, a second time on on that way so uh, <laughs> yeah. i think he will be very good next week so yeah nice is next week um for you at the beginning of the season um how important was it for, is it for you was it is it the number one focus or it's another it's a big race but um it has has your whole year been focused on that or it's more a case of it's a world champs i want to do well um but i've got other races to do well at uh, at the beginning of the year it was simple the we had a plan and i didn't want to make the mistake from last year like i did i think i started five Ironmans just to qualify for kona then did Kona. Kona wasn't good. I had, I had an injury. Oh, but I'm going to do another Ironman in one month and a half. Again, I did not finish. So at the beginning of the year, the plan with, uh, with the coach was clear. We only will start in one full Ironman and we try to qualify. But if we don't qualify there, we don't going to try to do it uh, a second chance. Then we're just going to do 70.3 PTO. And then at the end of the year, we try to qualify again for Kona next year. Uh, but yeah, now I had a luxury situation that I can start in Nice. And uh, I have to be honest, Nice is only like one hour 20 flight from my place. Um, yeah, it's hilly course. Normally, I'm quite good riding uphill. Downhill, not that good. But yeah, at the end, it's disc breaks. We will be with a big field. Uh, so I think like if you have, are in the position, you can follow the guys downhill and uh, should be possible for me. So I'm not the best guy on the downhill, but I'm certainly, I'm sure I can follow. Not the the, the crazy guys like Cameron Murphy is riding Pro Tour, uh-huh. cycling. Okay, it's another level, but uh, I'm, I really am convinced I can follow most of the other guys downhill. So then I was thinking like, come on, we go for Nice, but not with the intention like doing the other races just in preparation for. No, every race I started like, the European Championship in Tallinn, PTO Singapore, I really was 100% fresh. And the the, yeah, the thing was, I wanted to do good on that day. And uh, the coach also said, like, we're not going to do something special to be better maybe two weeks later in Singapore. No, no, no. 
we want to be good in Tallinn. And if Tallinn is good, okay, we want to be good in Singapore. But we're not going to do like one focus on this because I know, yeah, if I'm to focus on one race, it doesn't going to work. Mm. And we did, we did it a little bit the same like uh, like now with Hamburg. Then I did PTO Europe. was not my best race, but was the beginning of the season. Then I had a very good championship family uh, from, from Chandler's family in Summerin, fourth place, but missed the podium with 10 seconds or something. And at the end of the right, if you see Matisse Magrier won the race, Funk was second uh, or no third. Uh, Aaron Royal was second, but we were like within 20 seconds from second to fourth place. So there I had a, a good level. Uh, and then Hamburg was more like, okay, now I can go to this race without stress. Mm. And at the end, we did now exactly the same. But the difference is after uh, the first block racing, we did an altitude camp in Livigno in the Italian mountains. And for me, it's like only the second time I did a camp on altitude. And yeah, I have to be honest, for me, it's like really my power goes up on the bike. Like in what's on the bike, I think I can almost ride six, seven, maybe 8% more watts on the bike after a, an altitude camp. Nice. So for me, yeah, it's, but that's the important thing that we now fa- find a way that I know I I get much better after altitude camp. So for next year, it's also very important and very good to know now. I know I can go on camp maybe also in March, April before the, the season will start. We're going to do, we're going to plan to do an altitude camp. Okay, it will be in the snow or something. But yeah, like I said, I'm really... Uh, <laughs> riding a lot of my uh, kilometers on Zwift. So you also can do go Zwift in the mountains on altitude camp. So that's mm. not a big problem. But at the end, this is important for me. Of course, I want to do well, but I'm more will start like with the intention, like in Hamburg, I want to do a good race. I want to do, I, I, I want to get my highest level. I know what I can do on training for the moment from what's on the bike. I did a very good run training. I know what I am capable of to run also, like after Singapore, what I can do, and I will, I only will be happy next week when I finish the race and I really have the feeling like today I couldn't do more. Like in Singapore, also I was second place. Christian beat me in the last ten kilometer. He was better, and I can live with it. Two years mm-hmm. ago, I couldn't live with it. I was like, no, this this can be true, because like you said, in 2019, I was almost always first or second. And I didn't was used anymore to be like fourth or fifth. If I was fourth or fifth, I stopped the race because I was not on good level. Then I have to stop. Now, mm. if I would would be running next week, sixth, seventh place, but I've got the feeling that I'm doing all the best I can. I never will quit the race because now that's also the thing that changed this year. I really can live with guys who beat me. But if they beat me, I don't want to be the reason within myself. I really want to have like uh, I, that. I was the best athlete, I of the best athlete of my I like for myself on that day, and they are, then if you win or are you sixth or seventh or eighth or twentieth or you know what I mean, then it mm. doesn't matter. So and that's for me the most important thing that I learned. You just have to do your best race on that day, and yeah, of course you will have bad days. You will have good days. But yeah, at the end, you want want to have most of it the good days, but you don't choose your good days. So yeah. only yeah. can do your best. <laughs> Excellent. Um, you mentioned your main sponsor. Have you got any sponsors you want to to mention, or, or anything you want to promote that you're doing, or if uh, if people want to follow you, how should they do that? 
Yeah, one of my, I think one of the, the greatest sponsors I have is like the running brand, Hoka. Nice. Uh, they started sponsoring me like, uh, yeah, when I did good results. But it was also like one of the sponsors that I really, when I, when I, was, well, when I really was go in the low, when I was like doing, did not finish, did not finish, did not finish. One of the sponsors always like get in contact with me to ask like, Peter, if we can do something to help you, let us know. And always checking like they really feel it's, yeah, you're doing the sport, but they also feel you like a, like a person. They also know like, oh, this guy is doing three did not finishes in two months. This is not good. Yeah. Then they don't blame you and they don't say like, if you don't do better next year, you're out. No, it was like, Peter, if we can help you, let us know and we will help you. Yeah. So that's like, uh, yeah, that's like the kind of sponsor you, of course, want to have. Yeah. And then that's, that's a nice thing. And if you're doing back the results like like earlier, then you're always uh, yeah proud and happy that you've got them as a partner. Uh, but of course, you always hope because that you can win one of these big races because yeah. that's the best you can do for so, for such sponsors. But uh, like, yeah, at the end, next week, we will be with 55 athletes at the start line, I think. And there's only one person who can win the race. Uh, yeah, and that's that's the cool thing with professional triathlon. And also like on this moment, you can see it also like 70.3 worlds uh, last weekend. Like never, nobody expected the podium to be like this. But that's the really nice thing on the sport on this moment. I think the level is getting so high that we can see so different podiums within weeks because yeah, everybody's coming so close to, to each other on a level. And uh, yeah, it's, I think it's nice for the sport and I think it only will get better and we will see like very big battles uh, the coming years. Yeah. Awesome. Oh, you've had a fantastic year so far. So uh, all the best in Nice and uh, we look forward to Thank you. to seeing you smash it. And thanks so much for staying up late for us and uh, you go off and get to bed. Yeah, and I think there's the, the, the difference that you are waking up now, I think. Eh? Yeah, I've been for my swim uh, and I'm ready to go to the gym. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, it's sleeping time. Now it's yeah. all, all in for recovery for Nice, but uh, yeah, I think it's 9.30 in Belgium, so that's still okay. Yeah. But uh, no. Awesome, mate. Thank you so much for your time. Yes, you're, you're, uh, thank you that I can be in the podcast uh, because I think it's the first time somebody asked me from such a country so far away from Belgium. <laughs> so uh, maybe next year, if the 70.3 uh, Worlds is in Taupo, yeah. maybe we have to do it again. <laughs> exactly. And we are back, John. So it sounds like it was a pretty impressive, impressive young man. Yeah, especially in terms of doing all that training on Swift. I think I, we often say this, but we just take it for granted riding outside in Christchurch yeah. where you live. Um, but a lot of you guys, we know it's not an option sometimes to ride outside very often. So good on him. I think he's um, he's a real chance. If he's still got that form that he had early in the year, you know, he did well, really, really well in Hamburg uh, where he got second, beating out Fredino. And, um, and if he can carry that form in from what he's done at the PTO races, he could be one of those guys that could definitely get on the podium. And... Who knows? We might get a real surprise winner at this event. Yeah, well, yeah. You know, because as much as we both want Fredino to win, there's a chance he could blow up. Oh, yeah. You know, like, it's not like Fredino five years ago where he can, you know, he nailed every race. Yeah. We are seeing, you know, a bit more of an inconsistent athlete. Mm. So if he's if he's there, he's there. But if he's not, like, I don't see him coming fifth, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Who knows? 
Who knows? Yeah, who knows? That's what's John. cool about this race is you really don't have a clue. Okay, let's go on to our winger of the week. week. Okay, Jonbo, well, who are we going to pull up? We're going to pull up number 20, 23. Oh, number 23, uh, you go 20, Jordan. 2023. Okay. Uh, that was just a guess, so we'll see if they've done anything. Uh, yes, he has. Roman Garcon, uh, he's done 17 hours and 55 minutes of training from 13 activities, uh, 3 hours 48 of swimming, 10 hours and 2 minutes of cycling, 4 hours and 5 minutes of uh, running. Uh, so it's pretty impressive to finish 23rd in the rankings this week. And he is he's always a pro athlete from oh. Ombrum in France. Uh, so the Ombrum Man race. Uh, very cool place to train, very mountainous. He's a pro triathlete coach and consultant. And let's see, he did a lap, lap of where they do the Ombrum swim yesterday. Uh, and <laughs> he's got to set the record. Holy shit, balls. How many clubs is he involved in? Oh, no, he's in everything. Uh, every, you think every club possible. I'm just scrolling down. It's like three pages. He's in of Red clubs. Bull 20 times. Yeah. It must be a different he, Red he's Bull. He's only following one person, but he's got 27,000 uh, followers. So good on him. In terms of the biggest bike ride he's ever done, whoa, it smokes me. 409.5 kilometers. How long is it going to get to go, Terry? Sorry? Uh, 425. So you're going to take him out. That's the only reason if you're I doing do it. it. <laughs> if I, oh, oh, is it becoming an if? Uh, yeah, we haven't actually mentioned that yet, so we'll keep it on wraps a little bit. Okay. Very happy birthday. Morning solo ride, and he's got a champagne bottle, and a little bit more. That's a big ride. Uh, moving time, 11 hours and 44 minutes, 3,200 metres of elevation. That's a fair whack. Uh, average speed, 34.9 kilometres. Where the hell did he do this? Oh, it's in some island off Italy. Pretty impressive stuff. That's a big bike ride. Okay, Roma, Roman Gasson. Winger of the week. week. Okay, let's go into uh, okay John's quiz question. Now, who finished? The question was who finished and fourth and fifth in Hawaii last year? Now, now do I go? I, I might be getting my years mixed up. Joe Skipper got fourth, or did he get third? He did not get third, um, but you were correct in one of the placings. He got fifth. Yeah, um, I can't remember who got fourth and, on the and, boys' and, side. Okay, so but he was. Well, did he get past? Or did he was he chasing down? No, he I was think. chasing down. So let's if we break. Keenley got did it right last year, didn't he? Was it the year yeah, before? Yeah, he, he got about eleventh, I think, last year. So yeah, who do you have last year? The two. You had the two. Uh, actually, oh, I know who it is. It's Max Newman, I think. Oh, okay. Because I think you had the two Norwegians and you had uh, Laidlow. And then it would be Max Newman and Joe Skipper on the boys' side. That's um, we'll check this in a second. And then on the female side, Lucy Charles Buckley got second again. She did. And uh, then I think Sarah, Sarah Crowley was up there. Um, and where did Anne Haug finish? Anne Haug finished third, I think. So I'm going to go Sarah Crowley okay, for one of those up. positions. And I was wrong. Uh. The fourth was Laura Phillip and fifth was Lisa Norden. I almost said her, but I didn't think. No, oh, sure you did. Sure I did. That yeah. old chestnut. That old chestnut. Who, who, who got in the boys? Uh, and in the boys, I th- I'm pretty sure I nailed that was, yeah, fourth was Max Newman, fifth was Joe Skipper. Oh, you're right. Keenlay did have a great race last year. He finished sixth place. Yeah, because he was like fourth or fifth for a moment. Remember he faded yeah. just in the last bit? Yeah. And, and I think it was a bit of a race between him and Skipper. There, that was the thing. There, there was a race for first four, and then there was a race for fifth onwards. Yeah. Uh, and there was, God, there was only like, between fourth and fifth and tenth, there's only four minutes between. That was bloody impressive fifth, from Keenlay, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. Fifth and, uh, yeah, he was, uh, he was, uh, 
only a minute or so behind Joe Skipper, a minute and a half. And then there was only another 20 seconds back to Leon Chevalier. And then another 40 seconds back to Magnus Ditlev. And then he was only 20 seconds in front of Clement Mignon. And then another 20 seconds, oh, and then another couple of minutes back to Patrick Langer. Pretty cool racing. Uh, and the boys, so the, and there was also some great battles on the female side because uh, the reason I was thinking of Sarah Crowley, she had a good battle with someone. I think it was maybe, no, no, she passed Daniela Reef. Um, but yeah, there were some really good battles on the female side as well. So there you go. That was uh, Ironman fourth and fifth places last year. So it's 39 Kenley. Which, you know, nowadays, you know, Fredino's what, how old is Fredino? 42, I think. Jeez, hey. he's impressive, isn't he? Mm. As much as, I, you know, it's hit or miss for this weekend, like, mm. the fact he's even in the conversation shows how much respect we have for the man. But Kenley's 39. Uh, you know, that, that was a pretty stellar performance. That was amazing. You and um, it would have been a good way to go out, not on top, but um, he hasn't had many good results this year, which has been a bit disappointing. Uh, I know he's on his, um, he's on his sort of swan song, but... Um, yeah, Although bit. he hasn't done much racing since Root. He, well, he's done quite a few that aren't on there. Oh, okay. Um, because he's been doing things like Norseman and, and lots of other non-pro races. Uh, yeah, so how deep does the ranking pay this year? Uh, I, I think it's top 100 or? 50, I think it's 50. So he's currently 45th. Right. So he probably wants <laughs> to tick. I don't think that's a big motivator for him. No, but you know, you might get a payday at the end of it. Yeah, Kinle is, he's only won Hawaii once. But he was on the podium quite a few times. Uh, Jan Fredino is, I'll just check his age, 42. He got fourth. He got second in 2016. He got eighth in 15. He won 2014. Got third in 2013. Fourth in 2012. And and there was a real changing of the guard moments because up until when Keenley came along, there was a real, um, it was the Crowey, Mecca, you know, um, mm-hmm. Ray Lert boys, you know, that, that was that generation. Yep. And, and they were always saying, when the young guys coming through, and I remember, Ken, I think, we were the, the Kenley one? I don't think so. Okay. But I remember him just saying, yeah, no, no, bugger off you guys. We're <laughs> it's, it's our time. And then, unfortunately, in Kona, because he still had some great results. Geez, that year he won Kona, he won Frankfurt. It doesn't Kona. help when you got Jan Frodeno and you got to beat him. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, got, he got a second... And a fourth. So, so he got three podiums. Mm. Well, if we say top three. But I don't think he's been in. It was never in. Oh, the, no. 2019 he, he got third. He was never in a position to win. It's a bit like Cameron Brown. Got yeah. lots of podiums in Kona. But he was never really in a position to win. After that first time. Hey, but you get that one win. You go down history. Mm. Okay. So uh, let's go into swim, swim set, set time. This wasn't from this morning because I didn't swim. Uh, but this was last Friday. Um, we started with an 800 warm-up. Doing 150 free. 25 back. 25 breast. Get the, the old Limbs moving in different directions. And then the following set, we did three times through. We did a 300. First time we did it with paddles only. Second time was pull. Third time was paddles only. Um, the second part of the set was 425s doing stroke count. And what we were trying to do is decrease our strokes by two strokes each length. So we started, I started, mine was, I think, doing 20 strokes the first length. It's just a steady pace. Next length did 18 then 16, and then I think I was only getting down to 15, so I was failing on that last one. Uh, 15 was sort of the minimum strokes I could do without really taking the piss. Some people take the piss and you do a massive streamline and you glide into the wall for about the last five metres, which is kind of not what the what you're trying to do, but it's really trying to lengthen that stroke out. Uh, then we did 450s maximum effort on 115, so that's sort of giving us more than roughly double time rest, so you 
you you know it might be taking 35 seconds to do the 50 and then uh, you're getting you know more than 35 seconds rest uh, we did that set three times through so 300 um, 425 stroke count 450s max then we did 200 uh, drills to sort of loosen off a little bit from that we do 50 doing the one arm drill the focus there is really trying to work on the catch because you've got one arm out the front sort of in that recovery position and that sort of keeps your balance which means you can really work on uh, your the arm you're stroking with trying to get that sort of early vertical forearm and really get some good catch going 25 long dog drill and then 25 freestyle and then we finished off with two 100s, um, very hard, so pretty much as hard as you can go. And then a warm down, probably about 3Ks or so. Bit of speed work in there, bit of drill work, bit of technique. Um, yeah, here we go. There you go. That's a great swim set, John. Thank you. My favourite. The mm-hmm. best I ever did. Mm-hmm. Yep, there we go. Uh, let's say thank you to our patrons. You go first. Anna, the Theropod, Demopoulos. Demopoulos. Uh, we've got Alex, <coughs> Master Blaster Paul. And Chris, stream Doherty. Okay, if you want to become a patron of the show, go www.imtalk.me. Uh, also, if you want to get coaching, Coach John Musim for anything I do, bevanjamesisles.com. Also, Epic Camp for John. Any content, email imtalkpodcast at gmail.com. Jombo, your boss. Uh, I've been race directing up a storm the last two days. Yesterday, I was out all day the kids' race. We had a kids, our regional kids' duathlon. Thankfully, the numbers are headed back up. Probably had about 600 kids out there racing. Oh, really? Um, and it was pretty cool. Is it hectic? Uh, it's not hectic, but it's yeah. I'm yeah. You know, I'm starting at six thirty in the morning, getting home at sort of four thirty, and on the feet the whole time. Um, what was kind of cool? They had first time they've had uh, athlete with a disability category in this event. They they do it at cross country and things like this, but it was the first time they've done it here. They only had three athletes doing it. Um, one was. Um, I think she had she was either vision impaired. I'm not quite sure, but she she was doing it, and she had a teacher doing. The bike with her yep. she was on a tandem okay. um, and then another guy I'm not quite sure what his disability was I think he was mentally disabled in some some way and he led off the first run and then the, 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 the team on the tandem just the teacher was just giving it on the bike <laughs> and caught the poor fella up and passed him felt a bit sorry for him because that's a bit unfair isn't it t- there were different categories it didn't really matter okay. and it made a bit of a race for it when there's only three in there and then the teacher I think started the second run and uh, then she just gave up the ghost said you best, best go on to the girl and she carried on and then the third one was um, a little fella and uh, he just cranked he was on like a tiny little bike and they had to bike three k around the racetrack um, he kept going so that was kind of cool another thing that happened was um, we were a little bit short on marshals and it was around a car racing track yep. and we, we coned off one section really really well and this kid he was leading one of the year group races it was on a corner the corner's coned he decided to start going around the corner and then go around the cones and cut through the course uh, and he's like go back luckily we saw him do it and he just go back and then did the same thing on the next lap. He did the same thing again. This exact same position. And his dad was standing there just going, what the hell is he doing? <laughs> uh, so that was entertaining. Um, but it's always good to see the kids racing. And then I had one of my own, the JD Duathlon at the weekend as well. So that was pretty much my weekend wrapped up with those events. And going for a bit of ski action this weekend, which would be kind of cool. Do you want to some ski week? Mm. How many days do you go for? We're going for th- three. We'll probably get maybe... Two half days and one day skiing and I think. And is there much snow up there? Uh, there's or a reasonable there? amount down there. Actually, we're going down to the Tekapo area, which is yep. in the sort of lower middle part of the South Island. We've got shitty snow around Christchurch, but down there, yeah, decent amount. Getting towards the end of the season, I think only one week to go. Hasn't been a great season, has it, apparently? Depends where you go. North Island, amazing. They've got oh, like really? two and a half metres of snow. 
Mm. So, yeah. You're clearly not a big skier, Bevan. No, I've been twice in my life. Mm. And when I went last time, I actually, I, I, I tend to pick up skills pretty quickly. So by, by basically two hours, I'd kind of overdone the lunas, like I kind of mm-hmm. knew what I was doing. And then I went to the top of the big players. Mm-hmm. Ooh, I was pretty scared. <laughs> 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 Coming down, I could do it, but oh my God, I was shitting myself. And then- I, no I, break, you know, it's like, if you oh, can't get that mate. break right. And the turning, and basically I was, I wasn't going fast. Like I probably still look like a beginner, but um, the turning, very you've, just, you've just got to commit to the turn, don't you? Yeah. But go heavy on the edges. Oh, mate. I was, I was pretty shit scared. Yeah. <laughs> but I think I did five runs going down the main one, but yeah, I probably should have spent all day in the lunar slope. Probably, the problem with skiing is the lunar's too easy mm. and the level up's too much. It depends on the field. Yeah. If you yeah. go to the fields we go to, are really good. They're just pretty gentle. And Maybe if you're advanced, go to Tekapo. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, because yeah. I've, I've, you know, because I've, we were in, what's the, is you it? got a bloody apartment there. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we never think to go skiing there. Mm. Yeah. No, but, but we went to the one, which, which is, um, we biked up at, when, on Epic Camp one year, was it Kadruna? Kadruna, uh, no, uh, Coronet Peak. Coronet Peak, we went up that one. Mm. Yeah, and it was, oh, and it was a perfect day for it. If you want to go and bike it, I've got my mini camp coming up in uh, April next year, where you get to do all the three ski areas down that way. We had the Peak to Peak last weekend. Right, and that's where you bike down. Yeah, is yeah. it remarkable? Yeah, you, so ski. you ski. You ski down. You bike down the access road of a ski field. Then you kayak um, towards Queenstown, and then you do like about a ten k run to the bottom of the next ski field, and, and then Bruce. you bike up the next one. I ran it last time I was there. I ran tough. to Coronet Peak. Yeah, it wasn't that tough. It was. It was. You know, well, it was tough as you make it. Mm. it was, like it's nice to do a run like that where you get to the top and it's like, oh my god, look, you know, mm. the height of those places are pretty cool. Uh, any other goss? No, just looking forward to hopefully watching this weekend's races. Another big weekend of sport. Oh, because the World the, Cup starts. The World Cup starts on Saturday morning over here for us. The Warriors? And then the Warriors Saturday evening. And then now I've realised the Monday on Monday. So, here we go. Good times, rock and roll. Yeah. Joe and, I, Joe, Joe and I and a few friends went and did an Italian cooking class on the weekend. Mm-hmm. So, out in Sumner, mm-hmm. a lady at a lady's house, yeah, Italian bon, lady. Buongiorno, did you give her one of those? I don't really know much Italian, but yeah. I was just copying what she said. Yeah. She was very entertaining. Right. Very entertaining. And you yeah. go around, there's about 12 of us. You go around and then she, she kind of, you don't really, you're not really learning how to cook it. You're kind of helping out a little Observing. bit, yeah. you know, and she's telling stories and, um, and then you eat the food at the end. Mm-hmm. And it was a good night, but it was, it's, good, it's actually just good to do something different. Yeah. You know? Always good having yummy food. She didn't like me drink Coke Zero, I tell you that much. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, I could understand that. But well, why don't you forget alcohol? You got to, yeah, I know. Yeah. She's like, "Where's your wine?" I'm like, "Why don't I don't drink alcohol?" She goes, "Where's your?" She goes, "Where's your wine?" Like, oh, and I said, "I'm an alcoholic." She goes, "Where's your wine?" And she didn't like my Coke Zero. So <laughs> I took cans. You know, I thought it'd be you know a bit more civilized, but didn't take my two liter. Right. Oh God. <laughs> so so there you go. So, I um, mean, she was from uh, Nippoli. Napoli, yeah. yeah, maybe Napoli. Napoli won. I think they won the football league this year, and like they were, shouldn't have. Well, no, no, no they shouldn't have. They're from a less famous football region of Italy. Now the best. What, what's the best part for for produce? Is it lower south? Yeah, yeah. yeah she's saying yeah. south because it's opposite opposite to New Zealand. Mm. So you go north for better stuff, obviously, because you're equator. But down south, amazing produce. produce. Olives, olive oil, yeah, all that good and stuff. tomatoes. The tomatoes are amazing, mm. and. Uh, Pina cotta? No, it's a pina cotta. What's, what's the little dessert you have? Yeah, pina cotta. Pina cotta. Yeah. Do you like that? Not my favourite. Really? 
Really? Yeah. Creme brulee. You got, it's creme brulee. If creme brulee is on the menu, that's all you're getting every single time. Really? That you're yeah. number one? Creme brulee. Really? Yeah. They're close. No, they're not. <laughs> well, they're kind of same they're kind shape. kind of similar looking and a little bit. But yeah, the, the flavour, no competition. Do you, get, do you like the old crackling on the top? Yeah. Oh, I can get you a spoon. Yeah. It's got to be the right amount. Not too much, not too little. Yeah. Not too not. My favourite dessert, oh, John, that's a hard question. Mm. Apple crumble. Anything really? apple I like. Really? Yeah. Like a bit off your pie, get it gets too sickly. I've got a couple of apples that aren't very edible, and I'll, I'll bring them along oh, next, next <laughs> week for you. Thanks a lot. Shitty apple. <laughs> Nothing worse. Like, what am I going to do with this? The only thing Nothing worse is, when you bite into a flowery apple. No, I'll tell you what's worse is when you crack open an avocado and it's brown. Oh, you Especially when you paid it. five bucks yeah. for it. Yeah. Yeah. That's a daylight robbery. You can't do much about it, can you? No. Take it back. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, it really is. It, it's a, you know, do you do the old push of the top? Mm, you got to be not really. I generally buy them. God, we're really talking triathlon here. I'll buy them when they're not ripe, so then you just wait for it to ripe, and then you can do that at home. Yeah. Doing that in the store, you feel like a dick. I don't. I'm mm. not screw this. I'm not paying for, for crap. Right. I want to have to use it, not bloody throw it in the bin. Right. I'm going to go buy a set of snow chains, so let's wrap this up. Okay. Iron Rush. I'm in a train hard. Train smart. Kia car. car.